This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Got to go to Washington. Global News Washington producer Reggie Cicchini has joined the Oakley Show this afternoon. Reggie, are you in Washington or New Hampshire today? We are actually in New Hampshire. We're at the Pete Buttigieg uh, kind of election night party in Nashua, New Hampshire. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, that's the state capital, isn't it? Uh, You know what? I didn't even know where Nashville was on the map until we got here. And it turns out it's not the state capital, but we're staying in Manchester, and it turns out that's not the state capital either. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, there you go. It's all around the net. Nonetheless, this is a small enough state that it's close to the state capital. Uh, So you're at the Buttigieg uh, arms there. Let me ask, though, uh, how's this playing out? You know, I stayed up last night to watch Dixville Notch cast the first ballots. I think there were five in total. Uh, Was that an indication of anything? How's it playing out so far? Well, I mean, look, that Dixville Notch uh, election that took place at midnight actually was the first wrench to be thrown into this campaign because Michael Bloomberg, who's not even on the ballot, won both the Republican and the Democratic primaries in Dixville Notch <laughs> as the write-in. So that goes to show just kind of how divisive and confused people are when it comes to this large Democratic pool that really is trying to you know, start and get this race going to unseat the president. Well, yeah, but there were only five va- ballots cast, right? <laughs> well, yeah, there were only five ballots cast, and there were two other primaries that happened just shortly afterwards, and it was a total sum number of about 20 votes that were cast. But that one went to Amy Klobuchar, so she's now kind of riding into tonight on this victory, saying, well, look at how well I did in the overnight capturing 75% of the vote. Uh, this is going to play well for me. I think all campaigns are trying to ride some kind of victory as they head into kind of uh, poll closing around 7 o'clock tonight. The conventional wisdom going in is that it was Bernie Sanders' primary to lose. How's he shaping up? Well, he's still leading the polls. You know, most polls are putting him in this kind of upper 20 to low 30 percent support. But it's really being eroded a little bit by Pete Buttigieg, who's taking that victory that he had in Iowa, riding that into New Hampshire. And you're really seeing that. We went to three of his events yesterday. All three of them were packed to the roof. Not a lot of people in them. But again, it's not a very big state. But he's still polling high enough into the low 20 percentage that this could be something that Bernie Sanders needs to watch for down the line. What we're not seeing is any kind of big support for someone like Joe Biden, who actually pulled out of the uh, New Hampshire earlier today, and he flew down to South Carolina hours before the results were even going to be counted. Yeah, but last time around, Bernie beat Hillary Clinton in New Hampshire by 22 percentage points, I believe. It was overwhelming, and you're saying it's, it's a real dog race now. It is. There has been this kind of back and forth between Buttigieg and Sanders since Iowa. And realistically, the two of them have been making it a a campaign about them, too. They're not really talking about the rest of the people in the race. Their barbs are being exchanged about each other. And they're trying to create this narrative that there's only two people in the race. So we are the ones that you should be paying attention to. The thing is, they're not paying attention to these lower tier candidates, someone like Amy Klobuchar, who in the last two weeks really has risen in the polls. She's sitting in third place right now above Joe Biden, above Elizabeth. Elizabeth Warren, and this could be that kind of moment that Amy Klobuchar claws herself in and shows herself to be a formidable candidate to take on that moderate candidate, Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about the dynamic playing out. Now, these are early days, but you're saying uh, there are certain vestiges or hints that where this is headed because uh, I guess Bernie's seen as being uh, far to the left, even though he's got massive support at a grassroots level, but Klobuchar and Buttigieg are more perceived as centrist, would you say? They are. They're all kind of sitting in that, you know, or at least Buttigieg and, and, and Klobuchar sit in this moderate range while Sanders is far out to the left. But you're right. We're still in the very early days of this race. And Iowa and New Hampshire aren't really indicative of the entire population of the U.S. It's a much more diverse population than these two states represent. And that's where I think some of these campaigns may find themselves in trouble. Both Sanders, 
Pete Buttigieg and Klobuchar really don't resonate well with the African-American population in the U.S., nor with the Latino population. And that's where Joe Biden thinks that he's going to be able to rise again. So this old notion that New Hampshire once used to choose the, uh, the Democratic presidential candidate who would win the nomination, this really could be anyone's race to lose because there are simply so many factors with a pool of candidates that's still this big. Yeah, Biden sees South Carolina as his firewall, doesn't he? He does, but the thing is, latest polls are showing him at a negative 22 points when it comes to the African-American vote in uh, South Carolina. So this firewall that he's really been kind of putting as the main uh, part of his campaign, that he's put all of his eggs into one basket, may actually backfire. This is a man who the vice president to Barack Obama who failed to get any kind of traction in Iowa, who failed to get any kind of traction in New Hampshire, and now is running behind the polls in something like South Carolina. This could, could potentially be the flickering out of the Joe Biden campaign. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see which candidate is able to actually kind of pick up the support that appears to be leaving Joe Biden. Yeah, well, uh, you're seeing the ascendancy of Michael Bloomberg to a lot of minds. As you said, he was a write-in candidate of choice uh, early on, late last night, I guess, or early in the morning. Uh, He's really rolling the dice on Super Tuesday when, I don't know, there are uh, hundreds of delegates up for grabs, bigger states, California included amongst them. But now because of, I guess, his ascendancy, also, uh, you know, you talk about black support. He came out as mayor of New York in favor of something called stop and frisk, which is similar to carding here in this country or in Toronto. Uh, That was a tape that just surfaced, I guess, within the last 24 hours or so. Uh, What do you hear? What do you know? Absolutely. And I mean, this is a tape that Fox News has been pushing. This is sound that the president had tweeted about very quickly, calling Michael Bloomberg a racist, but then very quickly pulling that uh, tweet down. The White House not really answering why the president did this. But this is something that, uh, you know, people are going to try to use against Michael Bloomberg, saying he's using his money, he's using his power to try and influence and buy his way into the campaign, ignoring the early states and trying to go into the bigger states, also ignoring states like South Carolina, where he's not going to be on the bill. He's not expected to show up until Super Tuesday. And this could be something, this this new audio out of him talking about uh, stop and frisk could be something that dogs him later on in this campaign. But nationally, he's still polling third right now uh, from the recent polls that just came out ahead of Joe Biden. So again, like we say that this really is anybody's race and we're in the early days. But the only thing that is certain right now is that there is uncertainty as to who's going to win. Again, with Reggie Cicchini, Global News Washington producer on the ground in New Hampshire where their primary is taking place today. And it's got a lot of interesting implications, as he's pointed out. So let me ask you a bit about uh, Bloomberg here, because uh, the influential Democrat left flank, uh, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, uh, reflective of that, uh, they're not really impressed that Bloomberg would be parachuting in after they've done a lot of heavy lifting and, you know, uh, really clearing the path during the primary, even before the primary season. Uh What do you make uh, of uh, the idea that, you know, the Democrat left flank uh, trying to ameliorate itself to a multi-billionaire from New York City? Well, I mean, look, this is where a lot of the criticism is coming from. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are the ones who are saying that money doesn't belong in politics and money needs to clear itself out of Washington. And then here you have a multi-billionaire from New York trying to buy his way into the campaign and buy his way into Washington. And this is where uh, Sanders and Warren are both siding together, saying that this is the kind of thing that we don't need to see. We don't need to see, uh, you know, another billionaire in the White House because look at what's been taking place over the last three years. And it's this criticism that uh, Michael Bloomberg has been 
facing from a good number of people on the campaign because you're right there have been people on the ground for months now someone like Tulsi Gabbard someone like Bernie Sanders who has spent the last year in New Hampshire with boots on the ground trying to make sure that they get out the vote and then they run into a potential uh, kind of blockade with Michael Bloomberg you know it, 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 it's it's still unknown how far Bloomberg's actually going to get once we get down the road in these uh, in this primary season because these primaries don't wrap up until June uh, but once we get through Super Tuesday we'll see whether or not there's this kind of uproar that Sanders and Warren are trying to show that money shouldn't always be the answer to politics. By the way, March 3rd is Super Tuesday, which may be the true uh, watershed moment in the Democrat campaign. But here's a quirk, and Reggie, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Trump last night at a rally suggesting that because Republicans also get to vote in the primary, in the Democrat primary, he was imploring some of the Republicans there to vote for the weakest candidate, although he mocked them and said, we don't know who the weakest is, they're all weak, according to him. Uh, but that is a quirk of the the New Hampshire primary, isn't it? Yeah, you can walk into a primary. Uh, we were at a, a polling station earlier this morning. You don't have to be registered. You can register on the spot, and then you can register for your party as you're picking up your ballot. So you may walk in there undecided and say, I think I want to vote for Democrat. I think I want to vote for uh, Republican. I think I might just consider myself as an uh, as an independent voter. So you really can just walk in there and try to either jam up the race by voting for somebody that you don't think should win, or you could you know put your ballot in and run for the president and uh, rather vote for Donald Trump, who's essentially running unopposed right now. But the rules vary state by state, so it's not going to be like that in each state. It's just New Hampshire is one of those more progressive states that lets you make the decision on the fly the moment you walk in. I think one of the more interesting aspects to all of this as well is uh, whether the Dems can get out the vote ultimately. Uh, I know there's a big recruitment on to say if we're going to beat Trump, we got to get out the vote. But how about New Hampshire? What's the signal as far as a, t a voter turnout is concerned? Well, there have been uh, a lot of people who have been at least heading to these rallies now, uh, last uh, over the last couple of days. Bernie Sanders had upwards of 8,000 people that were at his rally, but a rally doesn't always turn out uh, for people at the polls. And we saw that numbers were down in Iowa. We're not sure uh, what the numbers are going to be like in New Hampshire, but because this is not going to be some kind of app-based voting system like we had in Iowa, which led to that kind of caucus crisis, this is going to be a paper ballot with pencil that is run through a machine and is tabulated like most elections are. So we should be able to get a better idea to how many people are actually out there voting once these polls start closing at seven o'clock and we realistically could have a you know a winner if not multiple campaigns trying to claim victory sometime before nine o'clock and uh, by the same token final question who's apt to be dropping out after tonight well, I mean, that's that's still to be seen because, look, somebody, if you don't come in second place in New Hampshire, oftentimes that's spelled the end of your campaign. But if you're Joe Biden saying, well, I don't really care about New Hampshire because the results wouldn't have mattered, I'm going to pay attention to South Carolina, he could come in fifth place and still continue on. This is going to be one of those moments where we see if somebody does better than that they were anticipating doing, uh, say, you know, somebody like Elizabeth Warren winds up in third place and not fourth place, she'll claim that as a victory and consider herself viable to go forward. So we may not actually see a winnowing down of number of candidates in this race, possibly till after South Carolina, possibly until after Super Tuesday. All right. Uh, so folks like uh, Yang and uh, Tulsi Gabbard may stay in the fight. Uh, remains to be seen. But the drama will continue and increase, I'm sure, in intensity going forward. Reggie, appreciate it. Uh, stay safe and warm on the ground in New Hampshire, and uh, we'll pick up on it again the next primary. For sure. Thanks, John. You got it. Reggie Cicchini, Global News Washington producer. All right. Uh, Trump weighed in, went to his uh, rally last night, and he's just, you know, basically putting it in their grill. And uh, he actually went after Bloomberg as well, which is a signal that he considers him to be a viable uh, candidate, I guess, as well as a competitor.
and saying that, uh, you know, this was something that he highlighted. Uh, Bloomberg made some comments during an, an appearance at the Aspen Institute in 2015 in which he said the way to bring down murder rates was to, quote, put a lot of cops in minority neighborhoods because that's where, quote, all the crime is, end quote. Some folks, certain precincts might support that, but it doesn't fly in the political season, uh, certainly not in uh, this, this day and age, but we'll wait and see. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.